Hillbilly Horror Stories presents Eerie Encounters. In college, I dated Todd. He was nice at first, lots of love bombing while slowly kicking the chair out from beneath me, willing me to sink lower and lower. He was a strange guy who turned out to be violent and abusive. He slut-shamed me for not being a virgin when we met. He worshipped his ex-girlfriend and always made me feel worthless. I have always had low self-esteem and this was back in the 1980s when women weren't as empowered as they are today. Now there's a sisterhood. Back then, you were on your own. Todd was a very jealous man, so I gave him absolutely no reason to be. He would say things like that he had me followed from school or work or wherever and that I'd better not even look at another man. He told me that he would kill me and put my body in a vat of acid so no one would ever find me. He was a power lifter and may have been on steroids, though he denied it. Eventually, I got up the courage to break up with him. Man, it was liberating. Todd's best friend was Jim. Jim and I had been friendly while I was dating Todd, and after the breakup, we grew closer and our friendship developed into love. Six weeks after our first date, we got married. Todd was pissed and felt betrayed by us. He was very angry and very bitter. Over the years, Todd would call out of the blue and say things like, I see you're getting fat, or, you know, a real woman could carry a baby to term. I lost four babies to miscarriage. There was no caller ID back then, so if the phone rang, you actually had to pick it up and talk to the caller. He usually called around mine and Jim's anniversary or his birthday or other dates that were significant only to him. He tried to guilt me or shame me for different things, and for the first few years, it affected me. But after a while, I was over it and over him. After several homes and phone numbers changed, I eventually stopped hearing from him. He disappeared off the map for me, and it was great. After several years, Jim and I divorced, but we remained extremely close friends and even live together now. So many years later, social media happened. I was proactive and blocked several people I never wanted to hear from. As he hadn't been on my mind in years, I didn't think of blocking him. Now and then, Jim would ask me to look up some old friend or look up Todd. He didn't have any social media accounts, which is kind of weird considering the times that we're in. I decided to do a Google search on him to see if I could find him so I could block him from ever contacting me again. That's when I found his obituary. I was stunned and confirmed with Jim that the name and the birthday were correct, and the info on findagrave.com confirmed it was him. For the first time in decades, I felt like I could relax and breathe again. I'd always been braced for that other shoe to drop, and now it was never going to happen. What a relief. So, one night last year, close to my and Jim's former anniversary date, we were sitting in the living room watching TV when the phone rang. I have phone service through my cable company, so whenever someone calls, their name and their number pop up on my TV screen. Todd's full name and 30-year-old phone number popped up. What the actual F? My heart stopped. I couldn't breathe and my body was tingling from the top of my head to the tips of my fingers and toes in that way that you feel when you know someone is watching you, but you're willing yourself not to acknowledge them or look their way. I looked at Jim, he looked at me, 
We both turned back to the TV to see the name and the number again as the phone continued to ring and then back to each other. We both asked each other, are you seeing this? Is this happening? My phone was in the bedroom, but I was too scared to even move and not sure I even wanted to answer the phone and talk to whoever or whatever was on the other end of the line. We tried to continue the night as normal, but we just couldn't stop thinking about what happened and talking about how weird that it was. The next morning, Jim called the funeral home where Todd's funeral was held, and he confirmed that it did occur. He was able to talk his way into having them send a copy of the death certificate. It was him in that grave. Jim also called the number that had popped up on the screen the next day and got a recording saying the number was not in service. So who or what called and what did they want to say? I kind of hope I never find out. On another occasion, my mom brought a second-hand Ouija board at a yard sale when I was a kid back in 1981. After staying up late, watching the Saturday Night Monster movie at midnight, Rhonda, my bestie, and I decided to use it to summon Dracula and Elvis. We dimmed the lights and sat across from each other, giggling nervously, and placed our fingers on the planchette. We asked the questions that we heard in the monster movie. Is anyone there? Are you dead? Are you a ghost? Are you a demon? We ask for the ghost of Elvis to come here and show yourself. Are you here? Is there anything you want to tell us? Are you in heaven or hell? How did you die? Is Dracula there with you? And on and on, you know, the usual stupid stuff the kids want to know. We didn't get any kind of response from it other than the usual spasms and jerks your hands would do while you're trying to sit still with them on a planchette. Both of us accused the other of moving it and we did try to scare each other by moving it and swore on our lives that we didn't do it and that it must have been a ghost. Eventually, we got tired of our no-show ghost and we put the quote-unquote game away. Later that night, we had some pizza and played some card games. Amy, my five-year-old tag-along niece, was in the room with us. Much to my protestations. Ugh, Mom, why does she always have to be here? It's not fair. I love her now, but back then she was just the bane of my existence. So Amy was forced upon us, and she sat in there with us, wrapped in this huge comforter. As we played cards, suddenly the old RCA Victrola in the corner of the room started playing a record on the turntable all by itself, slower than its usual 33 and a third RPMs. It was spinning so slowly that the sound it was making was like the deep guttural moans of the damned climbing up from the depths of hell. We were sure it was the demons from the hell that we'd conjured earlier with the Ouija board. Rhonda and I looked at each other, we threw our cards down and ran to the door, pulled it open so hard that we nearly pulled it off the frame. I mean, we booked it, leaving poor little Amy, who was tangled up in the comforter to fend for herself against whatever was there. Yep, we left a five-year-old for dead. Thankfully, no harm came to her, but it was an awfully scary adventure. The wind-up handle was against the wall and no one had touched it for years. We don't know how or why that happened that night, but it's something we'll never forget. The song it played was Doris Day's Once I Had a Secret Love, so we couldn't help but to think that it was the ghost of someone who missed their lover. That room had a dark aura from that night on. It always made us a little too chilly, and the air was always electrified with a tinge of fear. So maybe don't buy a second-hand Ouija board that may have been used as a portal to hell.
Thanks a lot, Mom. Those stories came from Diane in Louisville. My family visited some relatives who had recently moved to a different house. I was five years old, and this was back in 1979. Well, this is important because the movie Poltergeist did not come out until 1981, and the movie Ghoulies didn't come out until 1984. So these movies had no influence on me whatsoever. I still have not seen Ghoulies, by the way. My cousin and I were playing in the basement. One of the toys on the floor was a toy rotary phone on wheels attached to a single axle with a clapper on it for a bell. So only if the toy phone was moved, the bell would ring. Both my cousin and I felt a presence that was so strong that I was sure I was going to see something staring at us in the basement. I turned to look behind me, but I saw nothing there. But whatever it was absolutely hated us. I felt like it wanted to kill and eat me like a predator watching prey. That's at least what it felt like to me. Then the toy phone started ringing without being moved. It was ringing and ringing and ringing. It had no batteries. This was a manual toy and it could only ring by the means of the wheel spinning. But the phone wasn't moving at all and the wheels were perfectly still. My cousin ran upstairs lightning quick. I, on the other hand, just sat there staring at the still ringing phone I said to the presence in the room, I am five years old. I'm a big girl now. You can't scare me anymore. And I walked up the stairs to the main floor, walked across the living room, then started walking up the stairs to the second floor to use the bathroom. I could hear that the toy phone was still ringing in the basement as I started to go up the stairs. I thought walking away from the toy phone would be the end of it. But as I entered the bathroom, this thing emerged from the toilet it growled at me with the deepest growl I have ever heard. I screamed. I was so scared. I ran down the stairs, through the living room, out of the house, and into oncoming traffic. My dad snatched me out of harm's way right before a car would have hit me. I painted exactly what I saw come out of the toilet. I've had so many paranormal experiences, I'm working on a book now. That story came from Angela Boley in Ohio. In high school, my friends and I were messing around with an Ouija board one night. We had done it before and nothing remarkable had ever happened. We usually did it to try to scare each other or our girlfriends. We all thought it was a big joke. That night, there was no one else home except for the seven of us, and we were all together around the board. One of the girls there wanted to try it. She had never done it before. This time was different. The board misspelled some of the words the same way every time. It gave answers that seemed really historically accurate for our town, things we neither knew or cared about. Long story short, the spirit claimed it was a 10-year-old boy who had died on the property in the 1800s and was buried there in an unmarked grave. My friend's house was on a farm at the edge of town. We were all a little freaked out because the board had never been so detailed and consistent. However, 
We were still skeptical and we were all assuming that one of us was trying to scare the rest. Finally, my friend asked if the spirit could do something to prove that he was actually there with us. The planchette went to yes, and then it spelled out K-N-O-C-K. Then the planchette stopped moving. We just all stared at it silently, and then there was a rap, rap, rap on the window right next to us. The lights were on outside, and there was absolutely no one there. We never touched that freaking board again. That story was sent anonymously. You have been listening to Hillbilly Horror Stories Presents Eerie Encounters. If you have an eerie encounter that you would like read on the show, please send it to hillbillyhorrorstories at gmail.com.